Well, I think what Trump, May and Macron did was a cynical exercise, a cynical, you know, political theatre in a lot of ways. They've basically sat there and seen up to half a million Syrians die from mostly conventional weapons. And I think this was much more about Trump saying to Russia, we're still the number one military power in the world. There's evidence to suggest that Trump advised Putin of what the targets would be and gave them some time to clear things out. Look, there were certainly some Syrians that I know who were in the immediate term quite pleased that these chemical facilities were hit. But there are also many, you know, amongst the Syrian diaspora who don't trust the West whatsoever. And I think really the political effect inside Syria actually allowed Assad and his supporters to pose, I think, unjustifiably as, you know, the anti-imperialists, the anti-American, which I I strongly believe he is not, but um, was able to sort of pose that way. I mean, it had an impact in Palestine where people who have often been quite critical of Assad were suddenly kind of mobilising in support of the Syrian state. So it kind of had that reverse effect inside Syria, I think. So I think there's multiple reasons to, you know, even if you accept that Assad carried this out, which I do, why we would oppose what the West has done. The Syrian war, which many commentators still erroneously insist on calling a civil war, is enormously complex, involving many militias and many nations intervening either directly or indirectly. Syria as a theatre of proxy conflict between Russia and the United States is an increasingly important aspect, if not the most important aspect of the war. Why do you think some elements of what is loosely called the progressive community, or the left if you prefer, are consistent in their opposition to US imperialism, but at best confused about Russia's role in the region. Do you regard Russia as an imperialist power, or do you think it can act as a bulwark in Syria and elsewhere against Russian imperialism, as some people on the left believe? Well, just to go to the part of the question about why some of the quote-unquote left only oppose American imperialism, I think there's still a hangover, even though the Cold War officially ended 25, 30 years ago, of people still looking at the world in that, in that manner and looking, imposing the template, I guess, the more straightforward template of the Vietnam War and the two Iraq wars and Afghanistan as seeing America as the only aggressor. I certainly believe that Russia is an imperialist country I mean, I was too young to oppose their intervention in Afghanistan, but I think there are strong reasons why you would. And I think what they've done in Syria is a, another example of that. It's kind of like America's Vietnam or America's Iraq in many ways. And, you know, I don't see Putin as playing any kind of progressive, you know, role whatsoever. And in fact, I think there's a real danger now where we've been warned by the pro-Assad left that Syria is going to be carved up, but it looks like it may well be carved up between the Iran and Syrian spheres of influence towards the west of the country and the south of the country. And then America still, with support from the Kurds, in support of the ex the territory that was once controlled by ISIS and and the rebels 
the legitimate, I think, rebels and opponents of both Assad and ISIS squeezed out and increasingly squeezed into a smaller and smaller pocket of, of Syria. One of the concerns, of course, of many people is, and we've even seen this reflected in the mainstream press with headlines along the lines of, is this the start of the Third World War? A lot of people are genuinely terrified that this horrific war in Syria, which is already so awful and has, and has led to the deaths of so many people and created a massive refugee crisis, that it could get even worse and lead to a wider regional conflagration, potentially even a direct conflict between Russia and the United States. It's a big question, obviously, Mark, but what's your assessment of where things could go? And I guess that speaks to the question of why the Western bombing of these chemical weapons facilities was so dangerous, because there's already so much tension between Russia and the US, and, and potentially th- those tensions are set to, to worsen. That is the irony, because on the surface in the United States, uh, Trump is under a cloud for you know, having Russia assist him with his election victory in 2016. But certainly the tensions, the geopolitical tensions between the two can so easily flare up as we have seen recently. I mean, I guess I wouldn't want to overstate it because, I mean, uh, until just before this chemical attack on Duma, Trump was announcing that he was even considering removing the troops from the eastern part of the country, the oil-rich part. And it's become very, very complicated because Turkey, that has traditionally been a U.S. regional ally, is furious about the fact that the U.S. basically aligned itself and used the Kurds on the ground to, to remove ISIS. And now there's been quite a bit of a reconciliation between Turkey and Russia and Turkey and Syria. And those People who have seen this conflict as a conspiracy to overthrow Assad, led by the US, Turkey, the Gulf states, I, I really don't think that measures up to what's going on at the moment. So um, there is certain, I am certainly worried, but I wouldn't want to overstate the, the possibilities of World War III. I think the, um, some of the Gulf states, which for their own opportunist reasons were funding certain jihadi groups, have pulled back from some of that activity as, as they, I guess, recognise the facts on the ground that Russian military intervention on behalf of Assad has been quite decisive and, you know, that they were backing a losing uh, battle. In short, I guess the, the dangers are there, but I wouldn't want to say we're on the brink of a you know, apocalypse. Late last year, Australia withdrew the six FA-18 fighter jets that had been bombing, at least ostensibly, Daesh or ISIS targets inside Syria and Iraq. There are still hundreds of Australian soldiers based in Iraq as well as Afghanistan, however. Suffice it to say, Australia is a bit player in the multiple wars taking place across the greater Middle Eastern region. Nevertheless, it seems there's a real question to be asked about why there is no anti-war movement in Australia. Uh, Fifteen years ago, a million people took to the streets to protest against the impending invasion of Iraq. Now we see virtually no public outrage about these wars in which our government is involved. Again, it's a big question, Mark, but, but what's your assessment of this situation? Yeah, I mean, it, we have tried, I guess, over the years. When the, when the West actually did start to bombard about three and a half years ago, the eastern part, there were a couple of rallies called, but they were small. And I have to say that I think this is partly due to... Yeah, I guess the portrayal of 
at least that part of Syria as being under the control of Daesh and in control of ISIS. So to be seen to be mobilizing numbers against that military intervention was to be seen to be accused of supporting ISIS. So I think that kind of Islamophobia around the place and the fear of ISIS was one factor why we were unsuccessful in, you know, mobilizing people around that intervention in the eastern part of the country. I mean, we, I think there was real grounds to do so, especially, you know, in Iraq, in Mosul and in, in Raqqa, in Syria, where all the normal rules of war were put aside and all kinds of phosphorus and it was civilians on the ground too who ironically had been the victims of ISIS who were losing their homes, losing their lives as a part of this bombing. And I think there, I think there was a real need for us to mobilise. And many of us who support the Syrian uprising wanted to do so, but found it difficult to find allies. And certainly the, the mainstream anti-war movement, which has only really thought to take action three times since the conflict started. First over Obama's red line in 2013, when the first gas, well, not the first, but the most significant gas attack in Ghouta happened in August of that year. Then, you know, 12 months ago in Idlib province over the other gas attack and, and Trump's firing of missiles. And then this most recent one, they're the only three times the Western mainstream anti-war movement has sought to mobilise. And the fact that it's perceived that they didn't really care about the civilians of Mosul and Raqqa, I think is a big, big problem and a big, big weakness in the global anti-war movement. And, you know, a blind spot where only where Syrian government targets are under threat as opposed to civilians under ISIS or whatever other jihadi control, that those, those uh, bombings aren't worthy of being mobilised against. Not to mention the much more significant bombing of Assad himself and Russia. Um, it's been very, very difficult, except for with some of the Syrian diaspora, to have mobilisations at the Russian or Iranian embassy. And I think there is a fear amongst some who maybe they're not vehemently pro-Assad, but a fear of mobilising against Russia makes it look like we're supporting Trump and Malcolm Turnbull and Britain and so on. So I think they're some of the reasons why we haven't been able to see a repeat of those mass mobilisations that occurred over the invasion of Iraq. Finally, Mike, you're Talking to us today with your Sydney Stop the War Coalition hat on, but you're also involved in the Refugee Action Coalition. It's an extraordinarily obvious connection to make, but it's amazing how seldom even some people on the left draw the link between Australia's own contribution to creating refugees, to generating the refugee crisis in the Middle East by participating in these horrific wars on the one hand, and on the other turning away Syrian and Iraqi refugees. A brief comment on that connection, Mark. Well, it's an explicit connection which the Refugee Action tries, Action Coalition tries to make all the time and also Syria Solidarity Australia, which I'm also a part of, tries to make all the time. I mean, the rank hypocrisy of pretending to care about the Syrian people whilst Australia keeps Syrians who tried to come here by boat on Nauru and Manus. There's not many of them. 
but also putting limits on the number of refugees who come. Trump, the fact that he still includes Syria on his ban for people entering the U.S., Muslim-majority countries banned from entering the U.S., and then the EU as well, after the big surge of arrivals in 2015 doing the deal with Turkey to try and prevent people from crossing over to Greece. The hypocrisy is absolutely palpable, really, and it's a point that we really do have to make, that these pe- the borders should be open and people should be allowed to come to the West if they so need to.